Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. Sometimes it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. All right, welcome everybody. Thanks for tuning in. First, a reminder that if you enjoy this podcast, you can support this podcast. If you go to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, you can become a weekly supporter, give a small amount per episode. It's just a little bit, but it goes a long way toward helping me continue to be able to record and produce and disseminate this podcast to a growing number of learners. So thanks to those who are already supporters, and thanks to everybody who tunes in to listen and learn with me every week. This week, we're talking about Yitro. Yitro is Exodus chapters 18 through 20, and this is a big moment. This is a big parsha, because this is the moment where our people arrive at Sinai, where they receive the Ten Commandments and the beginning of all the laws that will be handed down. Now, in the Torah, Sinai isn't just a moment. If you've seen The Prince of Egypt or you've seen the old Ten Commandments movie, Sinai is portrayed as kind of a single moment where God says ten things. In the Torah, it actually lasts much longer. The Israelites are going to be at Sinai over the course of the next book and a half of the Torah. But it begins here. And it begins with these ten things that God says, these aseret Now, the experience at Sinai is described in incredible, awe-inspiring terms. This is from chapter 19, verse 18. It says, Vahare Sinai Ashan Kulo. Mount Sinai was all in smoke because God had come down upon it in fire. The smoke rose up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled violently. The blare of the horn grew louder and louder. This is the people standing at Sinai waiting to hear what God will have to say. And then... God spoke all these words. The words are, of course, the words of what we call the Ten Commandments. In Hebrew, they're called Aseret Hadibrot, the Ten Sayings, the Ten Utterances. And they lay down some of the most important and central concepts in Jewish belief, including the relationship with God the Sabbath, the centrality of Shabbat, the commandment to honor your parents, and this whole series of ethical commandments. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, covet. In Judaism, it's not that these commandments are more important than the others. Of course, there are 613 commandments, but they certainly do represent fundamental elements of Jewish belief and practice. But what interests me this week as I was reading is not actually what happens during the Ten Commandments, but what happens right after the Ten Commandments. So after this incredible fireworks display, and after God comes out and speaks all these words directly to the ears of the people, the Torah says that the people backed off. This is verse 15 of chapter 20. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the blare of the horn and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, 
they fell back and stood at a distance. They said to Moses, you go talk to God for us. We have had enough. We are in awe. We are afraid. And we want you to be the one to have direct contact with God for us. And so Moses does. Moses goes back and approaches God and gets the rest of the laws. And then almost immediately, God starts to lay down some laws of worship. It says, you yourselves saw that I spoke to you from the very heavens. Therefore, make me an altar of earth and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings. So immediately after the Ten Commandments, after the people have this direct experience of God, they back off because they're so awe-inspired. And God's response is to teach them how to worship, to teach them how to build a sacrificial altar, and how to connect with God through ritual. This is really interesting, because it connects two things that are really important in Jewish life, and in fact, in human life. The experience of awe, of radical amazement, and the impulse to worship. At first glance, this just looks like a bunch of laws about how you're supposed to worship. You shall not make gods of silver and gold. You shall make an altar. Here's how you're going to make the altar. Here's how you're going to perform the sacrifices. But when we step back and put that last part in context, we see that it's coming right on the heels of the people being radically amazed and in awe of having experienced God in the world. In other words, the impulse to worship comes out of feeling amazement. I had an experience like this a bunch of years ago. Not that I stood on a mountain and God talked to me, but actually I stood on a mountain and maybe God talked to me. Years ago I was backpacking and I was in the Himalayas in northern India. I had arrived at my guest house at night and so I hadn't seen the scene, the scenery, right outside my own door. And in the morning, I, I woke up, I walked outside my door, and I suddenly was struck by this incredible Himalayan mountain scene. Just mountains filling as far as the eyes could see, tall and beautiful, and reaching to the heavens. And I just felt this sense of awe, this sense of amazement. And in that moment, I was moved, actually, to do something very Jewish. I wanted to pray. I wanted to participate in a ritual that would express my sense of awe, my sense of amazement. And so I went and put on my tefillin, and there in the shadow of the mountain, I said the, the words of the morning service, Baruch atah yotzer or uvorecho shech. Blessed is the one who creates light and darkness, who forms all things. Now, I actually don't put on tefillin every day. It's a ritual that I perform sometimes. It's one that I'm working on doing more and more. But it's not yet part of my daily Jewish routine. But in that moment, I felt compelled. I felt compelled to worship. I felt compelled to give thanks. I felt compelled to express my amazement at the world. And that, I think, is what's going on here in our Parsha, that the people are being taught that worship can be an expression of our radical amazement. I want to quote here from Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. In his book, Man is Not Alone, he writes that just as man or just as human beings are endowed 
with the ability to know certain aspects of reality, so are we endowed with the ability to know that there is more than what we know. Our mind is concerned with the ineffable as well as the expressible, and the awareness of our radical amazement is as universally valid as the principle of contradiction or the principle of sufficient reason. Heschel is comparing science and religion here. He's comparing the natural sciences with what he would call the impulse for radical amazement. And he says that our radical amazement at the world is real. It's a natural endowment. It's a way that we as human beings express the world. If you've ever looked up at a night sky and been amazed at the stars, or a mountain scene like the one I saw, or been amazed at the birth of a child, or at your capacity for relationship, these are experiences of radical amazement. We all believe different things about God. You know, we may or may not believe that God literally created the world, that God is a spirit or a being who can be experienced behind the world. Some of us do, some of us don't, some of us believe a variation of those things. But that sense of radical amazement, that sense that there is something larger going on around us, I think is very real. And for as long as there has been humanity, it has been the reason that we have sought religious community and that we have sought religious expression. So this week, as we read Yitro, as we read about our people's most fundamental experience of God, we are also reading about the way that our people have responded to that experience, that we have responded with prayer, we have responded with ritual, we have responded with the desire to express our radical amazement in worshipful ways. It's a reminder to look up and not down, to make sure you see the sky, that you see the mountains, that you see the people right in front of you, that we look for evidence of God or of the godly in the world all around us. Thanks for listening and have a great week. 7-Minute Torah is a production of La Asok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoyed this program, please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7minutetorah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laasoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K dot org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.